welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. OG3 again. You're stuck yeah. with no guests. You're stuck yes. with just us. We're talking today about fly control. We are in the middle of it. In the summer, we're dealing with flies all the time. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with everyone. I am not a very good source of information on flies. So I'm here to ask questions today. Wow. And, and Something find... Joe doesn't know. I'm shocked. I, I have I have little knowledge. It's not something we talk about in school on the veterinary side. It, it's something that I relied heavily on producers to know uh, and other experts. I, I just don't know a ton about it. Fortunately, Brad has done some research when it comes to controlling flies and, and preventing flies. And Emily has written several articles to help us on this issue. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lean heavy on the co-host today. Brad's gonna. Brad's gonna be talking a lot, so you get to be soothed by his dulcet, dulcet tones. Yay. Okay, well, rude I, that you didn't say I'd be talking. No, you don't get to talk. Well, I didn't know much about flies either until I started in my uh, research position. You know, I I took a vent, veterinary entomology class in college in. St. Paul at the University of Minnesota. So we learned a little bit about that. But really, I had a good mentor, Roger Moon, University of Minnesota entomologist, uh, Department of Entomology. He uh, taught me all I need to know about flies and how to do that. Uh, It's too bad that uh, Roger is uh, retired now. Uh, I learned a lot from Roger and and how to distinguish different flies and, and what works and what probably doesn't work. So And he sounds like a character in a book. That's right. Oh, Roger's a wonderful, wonderful Roger. guy, if you don't know him. Yeah, I, uh, I remember I got to interact with him briefly, at Bradley, at one of your organic dairy field days. And I remember he had a case with, I don't know what kind of fly or insect or critter was in there. But yes, and he was very knowledgeable and excited about it. Roger was always the guy at the field day that brought his little trowel with and was out there scooping through manure pats and looking for pupae and going, ooh, yeah, there's a, you know, stable fly. Ooh, there's a horn fly pupa. And it was, uh, it was kind of fun. To see. And dung beetles. And, and dung beetles. He, yeah. he actually did his, uh, I think he did his PhD on dung beetle research uh, in California. So, um, yeah, ooh. Roger's uh, quite known. Coming well, soon, dung beetle episode. Oh yes, dung, dung beetle episode. Why not? Well, I mean that's a good transition. I mean we we we've already kind of talked about uh, manure a little bit here and scooping through it to find uh, immature stages of these flies. Tell me, tell me about it. Like how how are we? How does manure play a role in all all of the the fly control that we deal with on both dairies and beef operations? The biggest thing uh, to do is trying to distinguish. What, what flies you have first. You know, we, I talk with a lot of producers uh, on the dairy and the beef side, and most of the time it's like, well, how do I control this fly? Or how do I, you know, I got flies. What do I do? And it's like, well, okay, flies is a big word. There's so many different flies and, and how to uh, control that. So really it's, it's about trying to distinguish what, what sort of pest you have first. And there's many different fly species. And they're found in many different things. And during high fly times, we like to talk about filth flies. And those are the ones that you find in either manure or debris, you know, organic matter. And the big four probably are housefly. Well, we all know what those are. I think those aggravate us everywhere. 
And then you have stable flies, horn flies, and face flies. So those are the ones, those are really the, you know, the four that are causing some issue. Uh, three of them probably cause more issue with cows than uh, another one. The house fly is, uh, house fly is where you find in the office and, you know, I'm like swatting him right now. Uh, or, or if you barns. leave the windows of your car rolled down at a farm. That's right. Those are house and flies when you leave. coming in. Yep. Those are house flies. So, so they all, I mean, for the most part, they're called, we call them filth flies because they use manure uh, as a place to put their eggs. You're right, Joe. You are right. Woo! I learned something. Yes. Learned some stuff. Uh, All well, I learned was uh, something about flies being filthy. Yes, that's right. Well, so let's let's talk about the three different flies. One that probably you find in both, you know, I, I've done a lot of work with pasture-based dairies, but one fly species that you find in both pasture dairies and confinement dairies is stable flies. Those are the flies that are on the legs of a cow. And if you are in a barn or on pasture or see cows uh, foot stomping, those are stable flies that are really after cows. You know, those are the ones that are on the legs of the cows and that's really where you find them. You typically don't find the stable fly anywhere else. It's on the legs of a cow. So that, I mean, that's beef too, right? I see beef cows stamping away in the pasture and. That's right. Okay. You find them in beef cows too. And stable flies are coming from like organic matter debris. So it's say beef cows, if you feed hay on pasture, uh, they're breeding in old hay debris on the ground. Or, you know, if you're in a barn, you're any spilled TMR that got wet, that's where stable flies are typically old feed, old feed that got wet, you'll find stable fly uh, pupae there. Uh, you can find them in calves too. We, we think we forget about calves in, in flies, but if you're bedding calves with straw or sawdust, you'll find stable flies and that's what's going to bother the calves. What about, what about feed on the calf side? I, I mean, I, if you, especially if you're using a mob feeder or, or a bucket, there's, I haven't seen a calf yet that doesn't spill water and or milk into their starter is that an issue too it can it can be you know you if if the stable flies find a place to lay their eggs uh, that's wet and dark that's where they're going to lay it you'll get way more stable flies than what you really wanted to so brad you said that causes stomping uh in these cattle and that's one of the ways you can tell they've got biting flies on their on their legs one of the things that one of the few things I know about flies is that it causes cattle to bunch and group. Yep. Uh, and we worry a lot about that because when, we're, when it's already hot in the summer, it just causes them to get even hotter. And I worry about it for, for heat stress and, and preventing heat stress. Is that, is that the fly that causes them to bunch or is that some of the other flies we're talking about? Uh, well, it's both. I, I think, you know, when you see cows that are out bunching, it certainly depends where they're at, but, if they're outside bunching, yeah, they're probably being attacked by stable flies and, you know, horn flies as well. But yeah, the, that's sort of the first defense that cows are going to do if they're being attacked by flies is to start bunching. So to help ward off the, the flies from each other. Yeah, and Mike. I know another thing they can do is feed tossing. 
right? Because they'll be, you know, I remember our cows doing that, they'll throw all their silage back. Yeah, you're right. You see that in cows in freestall barns or wherever they're yeah. tossing feed on their back. They're trying to, that's a fly control mechanism to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We I, I'm asking these questions because I'm excited and I'm learning a bunch. But we should probably go back to uh, the discussion about the different types sure. of flies. We got to we got stable flies. We we covered house flies briefly. Everyone knows what a house fly is. What are horn flies? So horn flies are flies that you will find on the backs of cows, uh, or calves, heifers, you name it. And horn flies are really only found in animals that are outdoors or, or on pasture. If you have a confinement barn uh, that's, you know, say a cross ventilated barn that's not, that's locked up, uh, you don't have horn flies. Because horn flies actually breed on pasture. So they're on the backs of the cows. And it's actually fascinating. You can watch this happen in cows. If a cow manures on pasture, you'll see the flies fly off the back come down and deposit eggs into the manure pile and then come back up to the, the cow. So they're only oh. uh, laying eggs on pasture. And those are, uh, horn flies are also biting flies. So they bite the cows and then they suck their blood. So that's uh, why those cows are pretty irritated as well. So See, we need tails... a soundboard so you can put in a Dracula noise. Jeff. That's right. True. That's right. True. So okay, so they're on their they're on their backs and backs and of the cows. Backs of the cows. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I've seen that, you know, especially when we get bulls that come in, you know, they're just there'd be like a group of flies just sitting on their back and nowhere else. Um, and they're coming straight from pasture. And yeah, yeah, those definitely. are those are horn flies. Horn flies. Okay, so horn flies, stable flies, and then we've got one more face flies. Face flies. So face flies, those are the flies, they're only pasture flies as well. So they breed on pasture, just like a horn fly does. Uh, and they are, they don't bite the cows. They're just kind of uh, annoying. And they just fly around the face, you know, kind of in their nose or eyes. They're really, they're just looking for mucus to eat. That's what they're uh, doing. Face flies are looking for mucus and they're looking, and that's why they're concentrated on the face because they've got the nose, they've got the mouth, they've got the eyes yep. right there. That's but right. they're really just and a nuisance fly. They're just they're a nuisance a, fly. Kind of, kind of, right? I hear about them because of pink eye, right? You're right. Pink eye, that's, they're not really sure, but we think that that's a vector for pink eye is the face fly. Uh, you know, if they're a, an animal has pink eye and then flies over to another one, more than likely it's spreading pink eye that way. So uh, flies are a big pink eye spreader. Okay, so why why do we need to know the difference, Brad? We've got we've got the the big three, or actually, you need to know what a housefly looks like as well. But why do I need to distinguish between the three? Well, the big thing is probably for prevention is to and you know if if you want to be able to treat uh, your animals if if you are conventional and you can use insecticides or whatever uh, or want to use those, you want to know what what's the correct one to use. If you're uh, maybe a pasture-based herd or a beef herd that's grazing, you can utilize different ways to alleviate the flies on those. You know, So a, a fly is not just a fly. You, you, there's different ways to, to control them and some you can't control. Like a face fly, they're really hard to control. There's not many things that work for the face flies. 
we we always think about wanting to use insecticides or pesticides or something else to control the flies. That's what we always go right towards. Chemical control. That's right. And maybe there's some other alternatives that we can use, and that is cleanliness. In my book, cleanliness is number one to help reducing your fly population. And that's, you know, cleaning up the spilled uh, TMR on the ground or hay debris, spreading it around. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that you can't prevent if you have calves out in hutches. You know, maybe you need to change their bedding more often. Or if you wean some calves out of a hutch, maybe you should clean it up that day or the next day because those are prime grounds for fly breeding. If you just let it sit there, the stable flies are going to invade and then 10 days or two weeks later, you're going to have this whole brand new group of stable flies running all over the place. So in my mind, cleanliness and sanitation are the biggest factors to controlling your population. Yes, there's other ways to do it, but I think you'll get more control from keeping things clean. We all know that's hard. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a, it's not, I mean, it's an easy thing to say, and there's always a lot of things going on on the farm, but we are back to this, uh, something we talk about all the time, whether we're talking about prevention being better than treatment. And it definitely holds true right now too, with flies. If you can prevent it from being an issue and kind of stay ahead of it, you're in way better shape than trying to treat it after it's already a problem. Yeah. And just by keeping it clean, you prevent so many different things, not just one. So, you know, cost-benefit analysis is pretty good on this one. Yeah, I agree. It's all about economics. You, you know, it's, it's what, uh, how you can make your farm more profitable and, and how you can do that. There's many different ways to do it, but I think in my mind, cleanliness is the key. You know, I'll give you an example. So last week, uh, uh, my student and I, we cleaned out a feed bunk because we were putting a few animals in there and there was some old haylage that was there for just maybe five days that hadn't been cleaned up and it got rained on. Well, we cleaned out the feed bunk and there were so many maggots, so many uh, eggs from stable flies there. That would have been thousands of new stable flies that were infiltrating our uh, our farm here if we didn't clean that all up. So when you expose those maggots and pupae to, to sunlight, they, they pretty much died. They're done. So we helped prevent all these flies just by cleaning out a little bit of space in the feed bunk. And it wasn't much, you know, I'm talking 10 feet of a feed bunk and we had, we were going to have a lot of stable flies bothering us. So you just don't know how many flies are if you, until you actually dig through that stuff and see what's there. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty wow. cool. I didn't realize it could Not be that, all but... heroes wear capes. <laughs> wow, Bradley. <laughs> It's kind of similar along that same line. Like, okay, so there's a lot of guys that scrape or, or or rake a silage pile, right? And then there's stuff that you don't feed because it either has mold or it's not properly fermented in whatever way. Could that be an issue too? Could it, if you leave that pile sitting there in the bunker, I mean, there's lots of guys that have that bunker fairly close to calf hutches and other, other facilities. Is that an issue? Sure, can be. Uh, you know, if it gets wet, gets rained on, or flies find their way to it and start laying their eggs, and you can generate that. You know, you, you talked about things being right next to each other. You know, sometimes these flies can go a long distance. You know, they've found horn flies can fly a, a mile away. So sometimes you might not be able to prevent 
flies from coming to your farm because maybe the neighbor is generating all the flies for you and your farm. So that that can be an issue as well, uh, that some of these flies, you know, just because they lay an egg on your farm doesn't mean that they don't go somewhere else. They are going to find the cattle that the, the species that they, they want to, especially a horn fly, you know, if, uh, they're going to fly till they find what they need to survive. Girls so, got to eat. Girls got to eat. Let's let's talk some economics just to to convince people that it really matters. How much? I mean, how much does it matter when it, when we're talking economics? Uh, well, you know, that's a good question. I sometimes we don't really know how much a, a fly control or or reducing flies can uh, you know help alleviate, but it's probably a couple pounds of milk. We did a study here on pasture-based herds, and it, you know we did some back of the napkin type calculations. And if we could, you know, get two to three more pounds of milk, which which we did by using some fly control methods for our organic herd on pasture, we got three pounds more milk out of those cows by just using our, our cow vacuum. So, you know, three pounds of milk per cow per day times a hundred cows over the summer, that's that's real money that can be lost if we don't think about fly control as well. I'm just doing some some calculations, kind of like you said, back of the napkin. Yeah, so maybe like five, six, seven percent production, right? Yeah, on, depending on how much you're milking. That's right. Yeah, maybe five uh, percent milk. You know, and we talk about it from the milk side, but it also affects average daily gain in in beef animals. If you're, you know, have beef in a open feedlot or something like that, you know, you you might suffer on uh, average daily gain. Uh, if you're not able to control the flies or using some sort of method to control flies. So it can affect a gain as well. And with calves too, I mean, can it stress them? So then they may become immunosuppressed and then, you know, they're just always kind of sickly. And, you know, those cows that don't get, calves that don't get a good start don't become good cows. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, and I mean that, how do you even put a value on that too? Uh, so. it's That's really hard to put a value on and stretch that economics out, but... Five percent, yeah, that's no joke uh, on average daily gains. I mean, that, I mean, if you're looking at a calf, let's talk beef side for a second. Looking at a calf or or a heifer, a growing heifer on the dairy side, if you're looking for two pounds a day of growth and you've got a five percent reduction, that's a tenth of a pound every day that you're missing out on. Yeah. Uh, I that's a big deal. You know, we see reduction in average daily gain is because there is a reduction in feed intake or water intake. So those animals are they're bunching whether it be on pasture or open lot or things like that so if they're in a group bunching they're trying to avoid flies and they're not at the feed bunk eating or they're not drinking water so that's where you see the reduction in either production or gain is is really reduced feed intake from not eating when they're trying to get rid of flies what about so i we talked about stuff being wet and and decaying organic matter what about around that water how do you keep that clean? I mean, that's going to be tough to do. Yeah, it's a that it is a tough one. Uh, how do you keep that clean? Um, concrete. C- concrete. Yes, that's right. It, it, that's a tough Atomic one. Atomic you know? blast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, on pasture they're going to create a mud hole, so that you know, basically they're trying to help get rid of stable flies. But if there's other you know debris around feed debris or something around the feed. Uh, or around the water trough, yeah, kind of cleaning it up and 
making sure it's because that'll breed flies uh, like crazy if there's a bunch of spilled tmr around a water tank yeah it's gonna create flies i think i think we're gonna stay away from talking about treatment methods just because it's such a huge topic when we talk about insecticides and chemical control and things like that so prevention is the key but there's other there's other treatments like uh, that you can use. Brad's done some research. He already mentioned the cow vac. What, what is that? That sounds uh, kind of space age to me. Why, why are we vacuuming cows? I imagine just like a dust buster. <laughs> it's just, a, just one person that you hire with a little <laughs> dust buster to wander around and vacuum all the cows. That's right. So it, it's actually kind of a neat contraption. It was sort of developed at North Carolina State University. And we saw you know, a long time ago, me and Roger, and uh, we went to NC State to sort of view this. And then we, uh, it was commercialized and we got one up here. Actually, I've had four of them up here to do research with. But it's, it's kind of a chute. So the cows walk through it. And there's a, a fan that blows the air across the belly on one side and sucks them the other side. And then there's also some fans that sort of suck the flies from the top of the uh, the backs of the cows so it's sucking the flies off the top so and is it like solid size or how you know it is yeah sort of uh there's some I guess tarps not just on the open side air. yeah like, there's some tarps on the sides that you can that you can use so uh it works out quite well and we can reduce fly population by 40 to 50 percent on our pasture cows by using the cow vacuum and, so what and, happens to the flies that are sucked up by the vacuum? They just like live there forever or what? Uh, we capture them. So they're caught in a, like a mesh net. So that's the problem. You, you got to capture the flies. Otherwise, if they, you know, if it just sucks the flies off cows, they go back into the environment and breed more flies. So we actually capture them and uh, collect them. You know, I had a grad student once, we went around to seven farms and collected all these flies. And across the summer, we had a whole garbage bag full of flies from that is uh, uh, all these farms. <laughs> that's pretty gross. Uh, that's, yeah. So it was a, it was an interesting project. We figured there was way over maybe a million flies that we had, had captured uh, that summer that we did the study on. Wow. Kind of crazy. That's so gross. I mean, it's good to know that, that, that that's an option and the cows it, walk through it just fine. They walk through it just fine. Um, you know, it takes us maybe a couple of days to get them used to it, but it really only works for horn flies. That, that's really what it's, it's meant for. And it's kind of an adaptation of an, the old walk through traps that you see on beef farms that, you know, on a beef grazing farm or beef cattle that are outdoors, they've used some of these old traps to sort of capture flies. This is just mechanical ways to, to get them off. Whether you're pasture-based or conventional, I think we can control the horn flies a lot better because you could use insecticides uh, or, you know, there's different alternative methods like uh, our fly sucker that we can use. But, you know, stable flies can be a little more difficult to control because they can breed many different places. And yes, you can use insecticides or porons, but uh, they're kind of tough to control as well. I, I think in my mind, the horn fly is a little bit easier to control, but you're pretty much a pasture herd, uh, beef or dairy to, to have those flies. I, I had, I have one specific situation in my mind that that's coming up and it's pink eye related. 
and it's pink eye in calves. And uh, you said that face flies are only on pasture, right? They only breed on pasture. Okay, they only breed on pasture. Right. Yeah. So this situation, it's like kind of semi confinement, I guess. So you've got mm-hmm. you've got some some cattle that are confined. It's a monoslope building, and then the older calves had access to pasture. That's right. Yep. So you're so you're saying if I couldn't control my face fly problem by just locking the gate and keeping everyone in the monoslope because the flies are going to breed on pasture and but they're going to make it to the rest of the calves in the monoslope. That's right. That's right. So if you got cattle on pasture, that's where the face flies and you're and they're depositing manure on pasture, that's where the face flies are are coming from. So if I I could control my face flies if I locked that gate and they couldn't go outside. They weren't ever on pasture, but because they were on pasture, there's manure out there and there's a place for them to breed. And then I have face flies. Okay. Right. I think you can, you can control them. You're, you know, it's not going to be zero. So you're never going right. to, you know, have no flies, but because like I said, pink eye could be, you know, we think that it's face fly, but frankly, house flies could probably, uh, or stable flies might spread pink eye as well. Uh, we we just don't know uh, what the real vector is for that, but we think it's face flies. But there could be other ways to do it too. Okay. It, it, it's yeah, it's not going to be zero. I think you can prevent them by not having animals on pasture, but we know that's not a reality. Uh, that that can be pretty tough if you have the space and you don't want to waste it. Then you're going to put your animals on pasture. All right. So I mean, I, I guess the takeaway is the first step in in fly control is looking at your cattle, figuring out where the flies are on the cattle. Uh, and deciding what fly you have. And that can kind of target what you need to do on the prevention side. And then also what you need to do uh, if you are going to choose a treatment to make sure that it's targeted. You are right. Trying to figure out what fly you have is the number one thing to figure out uh, and how to prevent them. Well, I think we've got got, uh, a bunch of ideas for following episodes where we we get either more into uh, flies and and maybe have an entomologist on uh, from extension or or someone who has a specific interest. We've also got a big topic uh, of treatment and all that kind of thing. And I think there's a pink eye episode somewhere in here that we need to cover as well. Sounds like it. Uh, we keep coming back we got to our that. work cut out for us. There's, there's a bunch to do. Fortunately, we're still stuck at home and we've gotten a bunch of time to podcast so we'll keep bringing it to you thank you for listening everybody uh if you have questions comments concerns or scathing rebuttals send them to the moosroom at umn.edu that's t-h-e-m-o-o-s-r-o-o-m at umn.edu you can also check us out on our website extension.umn.edu and on Facebook at UMN Dairy and at UMN Beef. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. I love that we're having the fly episode, and I can still see I can see Brad just like swatting. <laughs> Swat- flies. Like yeah, flies. <laughs> They're everywhere. Freaking house flies. <laughs>